0: This story is brought to your ears by all our fantastic supporters on Patreon. To get in on the action yourself with bloopers, extras, and the occasional early story, join us at patreon.com slash voiceofallmtg. We'd like to thank our newest patron, Taya Adorable Kitten, for already donating. For more stories or just a chat, visit voiceofallmtg.com. And now, Voice of All presents... The Gathering Storm, Chapter 10, by Jengo Wexler The rain came down as though it had a grudge against the city, rattling roof tiles and slamming against windows. Even with his magic splitting the torrent above his head, Raoul walked through a mist of ricocheting drops, and his coat was wet through by the time he arrived at No Prav. The Azorius Guildhall was crawling with soldiers. Hesperia had called out every reserve to provide security for the summit, and to hold back the crowds of curious citizens who had gathered in spite of the foul weather. That something important was happening had become an open secret in the city, and the square around the Great Triple Tower was packed with a mass of humanity. White-armored Azorius soldiers struggled to keep a narrow lane open through which the delegates could arrive. Raúl kept a wary eye on the mob. They seemed interested rather than furious at least so far, and he caught a wave of excited shouts as the Simic delegation arrived in a living carriage that pulled itself along with great purple tentacles. Raoul himself slipped in behind them, acknowledged by the soldiers at the gates, but ignored by the onlookers. A nervous young woman guided him into one of the towers, and they ascended a polished marble staircase. Eventually, she led him to a grand pair of double doors, inlaid with gold and silver filigree depicting the Azorius crest, so heavy a pair of burly servants had to push them open. Inside was one of the Senate's own debating chambers, a circular room with a raised marble bench running all the way around the perimeter. There was a dais at the far end for a speaker, in front of a massive, multi-paned window which was streaked with rain. In the distance, lightning flashed among the clouds, and Raúl felt his own power resonate in sympathy with every bolt. He was not the first to arrive. Hesperia occupied the dais, with Dovan Bon at her side, both absorbed in reading something. Hikara, who had left that morning to get final instructions from her superiors, sat on the marble bench, waving frantically to Rao. More surprising was the Cyclops sitting cross legged behind the bench, head bent only inches from grazing the ceiling. This had to be Borberygmos, the Gruel Guildmaster. He had a bestial look, with a wild mane of red hair and two twisting horns, wearing only a few scraps of leather armor. In the polished serenity of the Azorius Guildhall, the giants looked completely out of place. But But he's he's here. here. Niv-Mizzet had promised he would be, but Ral had to admit for once he doubted the Firemind. I wonder what kind of favors
1: favors he called called in to make make that happen. happen.
0: Borberigmos paid no attention to Ral, but he looked up with a snort as the doors opened again, admitting the angelic form of Aurelia. She was trailed by several high-ranking Boros officers, including the female minotaur Ral had seen last time. The sight of their uniforms seemed to rile the cyclops, who made a low, growling sound punctuated by a few angry barks. Ahem. The speaker was a small, green-skinned humanoid standing near Borborygmos's feet. The frog-faced creature wore a well-tailored dark suit and spoke with an erudite accent.
2: Guildmaster Borborygmos wishes to know how much longer he will be kept waiting with the running dogs of order.
0: The cyclops' single eye was fixed on Aurelia. Most of the guilds were rivals to one degree or another, but the animosity between the anarchic Gruel clans and the Boros Legion was legendary. The angel glanced at the cyclops, then politely took her seat, but her minotaur companion growled back.
2: You should be grateful to even have a seat at this table.
0: Borborygmos boomed a laugh, and his
2: translator said, The guildmaster wishes you to understand that he is only here in deference to long-standing obligations to the firemind. He offers no respect to any lesser creatures. Lesser creatures?
3: He- Please, let's not have this meeting dissolve before it begins. The other delegations are arriving as we speak.
2: I, for one, am eager to hear what Niv-Mizzet has to say.
0: This was a new voice, made harsh and anonymous by a strange buzz, as though heard on the other side of a thick wall. Raoul looked across the room and saw a blurred, shifting figure, its humanoid shape covered in a cloak of illusions, so that it showed an ever-changing arrangement of clothes and features. Raoul had no idea when it had arrived.
2: Lazav, you refuse to show yourself, even here? Especially here, I should think.
0: Lazav leaned back on the bench, dropping his blurred feet up on the rail. Hesperia
3: nodded his way. The Senate welcomes the Dimir Guildmaster. Then the big doors opened again. And also the delegations from
0: Simic and Silesnia. Celesnia was represented by Amara, in company with several other elves Rao didn't know. A party of four purple-robed magi from Simic were just behind them. Their leader was an older man with hard, pebbly skin, Bulging fishy eyes, and his companions were a similar mix of humanoid and ichthyoid.
1: Uh, Biomancers. Biomancers.
0: Raul felt an edge of distaste as they bowed to Asperia and took their seats. He'd never been fully comfortable with the Simic's strange ideas about improving themselves. Orzhov was next to arrive. Kaya and Tesa came in together, followed by several priests in black and gold robes. I'm going to have to get the the full story story from from
1: them at some some point. point.
0: Last of all came the new queen of the Golgari, unaccompanied. Vraska wore a spectacular suit of scaled armor, gleaming with the iridescent colors of beetle scales, and the tendrils of her head lay flat and quiescent. Only when she saw Asperia did they shift, rising a fraction before she mastered herself and gave a shallow bow. Asperia rose to her haunches, The Sphinx's voice grew effortlessly
3: louder until it dominated the room. Representatives and guildmasters, I thank you for coming. We face an unprecedented threat to Ravnica itself, and I am heartened by this evidence that the guilds can draw together in a crisis. One of the
0: Simics snapped in a nasally voice.
2: Evidence is something we haven't seen much of. Zarek has proposed some wild theories about many worlds and interplanar threats. How do we know any of this is real? I believe in nothing else fits the facts we have, limited as they are. Yes, let us rely on the word of a spy who is busy tearing apart his own guild. I found my guild in need of cleansing and I will tell
0: you now that I am not the one in this chamber you should mistrust. Lazav turned to face Ral, and even through the illusion cloak, Ral felt his gaze. Slowly, Ral ran a hand through his hair, a tiny crackle restoring its customary frizz. He got to his feet, holding up his hands for silence.
1: Honored representatives, I'm aware that simply being here together is nearly unprecedented. But if we're going to defend Ravnica, we're going to have to go much further than that. Nicol Bolas is real. And he is coming. None of us can stop him.
2: So you assume you underestimate the Legion?
0: Borborygmos grunted, and his translator stood again.
2: We welcome this Bolas,
4: if he will test his might against the gruel. Don't be a fool. None of you know Bolas the way Ral and I do. He does not believe in half-measures. If he is coming to Ravnica, it is because we cannot stop him.
1: That's certainly his reputation.
0: Everyone looked at Kaya, and she seemed almost embarrassed to have spoken.
1: Look, I'm not from around here, and you all know that. But I've dealt with plenty of people who've gotten in Bolas's way, and
3: they've all regretted it. Take that for what it's worth. His agents have already caused a great deal of harm. The coup attempt at Selesnia was his doing, and it was nearly successful.
0: One of the elves near Amara spoke up.
2: Whether it was his doing is unclear. We should not jump to conclusions. Precisely. Who benefits from his cooperation? Obviously, the Azorius, with their laws and committees. We sit in their very whole. Could it not be that they have manufactured the supposed crisis for their own advantage?
4: I have no love for the Senate, but that is simply idiocy.
2: I apologize if the subtleties are too much for a subsentient mind to comprehend.
0: You
4: should all listen to Raoul!
0: Hikara burst out unexpectedly. When, again, everyone paused to look, she flushed slightly.
4: He's usually
3: right, is all. And he's my maid, so you should pay attention.
0: The Simic representative's eyes rolled. If we're quite finished
2: hearing from-
0: An enormous shadow darkened the hall. The great glass windows folded themselves delicately, moving as though of their own accord in the grips of an unstoppable magical force. The roar of the rain redoubled, layered over with distant thunder. Some drops spattered on the polished marble, but most were blocked by the huge, scaled shape that now blocked the opening, claws gripping the outside of the building, wings spread wide for balance. Niv-Mizzet had arrived. His head just about fit into the chamber, like some enormous snake with its brightly colored fins spread wide. Hesperia stepped back slightly, giving the dragon center stage. When the firemind spoke, his voice echoed inside the skull of everyone present.
2: Vraska is right. You do not understand what is coming for you, but I do. His huge head shifted,
0: staring at each representative
2: in turn. I am the parent of my guild. I have lived on Ravnica for more than 15,000 years, and I have defeated more challengers than any of you can possibly imagine. I have knowledge that no one else living possesses. Sorceries that are otherwise gone to time weapons whose making is lost and i am telling you that nicole bolas is more powerful than i if his power is so irresistible then why gather us here at all it is not irresistible i have been working on a way to stop him
0: the firemine's fins flexed
2: It is a most dangerous and all-consuming ritual, but I believe it will grant me the power I need.
0: But that would violate the Guild Pact.
4: So you want to use the
0: failsafe? The elves with Amara looked at one another in confusion. Amara cleared her throat. throat)
3: What failsafe? I imagine Tristani keeps that to herself. When Azor, in his wisdom, created the Guild Pact, he created a means by which it could be amended. It merely requires
2: the agreement of all ten guilds. It was not supposed to be necessary, because the Living Guild Pact could perform the same function. But Jace Beleren is still missing and may never return. We can no longer afford to wait. In other words, you want us to grant you permission to become practically all-powerful. How is that not simply an invitation to Izzet hegemony? I have led the Izzet for ten thousand years, but I will leave them for this, and Ral Zarek will take my place. The new strictures of the Guild Pact will still bind me, even with my new power. I will become a guardian of Ravnica itself, above the concerns of guild politics.
1: Is that even possible? Niv-Mizzet has a deeper understanding of the guild pack than anyone alive.
0: Ral thought he saw Vraska roll her eyes, but
3: she said nothing.
2: Convenient. So we must simply take his word for it.
3: The Firemind may be the expert, but every guild has its own law mages. I suggest we take a recess to allow the representatives to consult them and get a better understanding of what niv Mizet is asking. This conference will reconvene tomorrow morning, and we will make our decision then.
0: Following proper diplomatic protocol, the Azorius stewards had scheduled Ravnica's most awkward reception to take place after the meeting. Vraska took one look at the room, full of suspicious stares and cucumber sandwiches, and walked away. They'd all been assigned quarters somewhere in the tower, and she resolved to find them. The tower. Being here, in the center of Azorius' power, grated more than she thought it would. All these people, thousands of scribes, bookkeepers, legislators, just going about their daily routines, scribbling words on a page.
4: They have no idea what it costs.
0: What their decisions meant to the people out in the rest of the city.
4: The scratch of a pen sends someone to prison. A tick mark is a death sentence.
0: Made her want to scream. Vraska! She turned, reluctantly, to find Rao coming up behind her. Vraska put her hands on her hips, her tendrils shifting uneasily. What do you want, Zarek? He pulled up short, taking in her expression. I- Is everything all right? Fine. Vraska straightened up, making an effort not to let her inner turmoil show on her face. What is it?
1: I, uh, I just wanted to thank you for your help. "'I'm not sure I got the chance after we left the cathedral.'
4: "'Your friend was bleeding to death. I imagine that was distracting.' Raoul paused, as
0: though he'd realized something, and then went on. "'And I know coming here can't be easy for you.'
4: "'You have no oh idea.' idea.
0: "'Vraska suppressed a snarl and gave a curt
1: nod.
4: "'I can only hope it's not for nothing.'
1: "'Eh, they'll come together. We've got him this far.' "'We?' Oui. "'He trusted her,'
0: Vraska realized. She wanted to laugh, or possibly cry. Instead, she went to turn away, and then hesitated.
4: Can I ask you something? Of course. What Niv-Mizzet said about chase that he might be dead, does he... Do you think he knows something we don't?
1: It's hard to say with him. He doesn't confide in me more than he has to.
4: Do you believe he's coming back?
1: Baleran? Probably. He's too annoying to stay gone.
4: I can agree with that.
1: Roska forced a smile.
4: I should go. There are things I need to attend to.
0: Of course. Ral bowed. Tomorrow, then. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. She found her quarters. A bland but comfortable apartment and shooed away the liveried stewards who tried to make her more comfortable. Everything here was so sterile locked away inside a giant column of stone and steel. In her own domain, she slept on a bed of living moss, surrounded by the subtly beautiful sense of decay. And before that, she'd grown used to the belligerent, its ever-present sway and the salt smell of the sea. Lying on the bed here felt like trying to sleep in a tomb. Not that sleep was a real possibility. She felt her mind racing like a small animal caught in a trap, searching for a way
4: out. Damn Rallin is thrust. Damn Jace for not being here when I need him. Damn, damn, damn.
0: Slowly, ever so slowly, the sun went down. Vraska lay in the cool darkness, staring at nothing, trying not to think. There was a rustle from the front door of her room. She rolled out of bed at once, heart slamming in her chest, tendrils wild and writhing. For a few moments, there was only silence. Something was visible by the door. A folded piece of paper shoved underneath. Vraska padded across the room and picked it up. In a neat, copper-plate hand, a note said only, The conference chamber, now. No guards. There was a long silence. Slowly, Vraska crushed the paper into a ball. The door to the conference chamber stood half open. Vraska slipped through, her boots clicking softly on the marble. The big windows were closed, and rain drummed against them in a steady rhythm. Beyond, the city was mostly dark, the downpour having driven all but the most dedicated from the streets. Only a few lights burned, echoed in the sky by distant flashes of lightning. As the note had promised, no guards waited by the door. Hesperia sat where she had during the conference, propped on her leonin haunches. She was reading something and making notes, her big paws handling paper and pen with surprising delicacy. She tipped her head as Vraska entered, making notes of the Gorgon's presence, but didn't look up until
3: Vraska cleared her throat. Guildmaster, I would have thought you'd be asleep by now. Just feeling restless. Vraska walked across the room. She was calm, her tendrils flat and placid. You? You? I require little sleep. And my duties never cease. Even in the midst of such great events, the business of the Senate continues.
4: Yes, it does, doesn't it?
0: Hesperia reached the end of a page and carefully set down her pen. She looked up, her pale
4: eyes
3: knowing. There's something you wish to say.
4: How much do you know about me?
3: Enough. You were an assassin for the Gulgari. Given recent revelations, it is safe to assume that you are a planeswalker.
4: Do you want to know how I found out I was a planeswalker? I admit
3: to some curiosity on anything concerning the subject. Vraska started
0: pacing back and forth. Asperia's placid eyes followed her.
4: I was born here on Ravnica. In the depths, of course. But I was never a member of the Golgari. I wasn't political and they would have wanted me to be their tool. She touched her tendrils gently. I just wanted to be true to my nature, to hunt alone and free. I was seventeen when the Senate decided the Gogari had grown too powerful, too numerous. They needed to be pushed out of certain areas they'd claimed. The other guilds stood by as Azoria's soldiers, descended into the depths, and rounded up peaceful rock farmers, crawl. Whoever they could find. They didn't care whether we were guild members or not. They took me because of what I was, not what I believed, and tossed me in prison with the rest.
0: Vraska turned sharply to face Asperia.
4: And what a prison it was. Your scribes are good at laws and principles, but not so talented when it comes to basic logistics, are they? We were packed in five, six... Seven to a cell? It was bound to boil over. And when it did, the crackdown was vicious. They started hauling us away to improvise cells across the city. I was stuck in some filthy basement with half a hundred others. They kept us there for hours, days. No one in the Senate knew what to do. We were starving, filthy with our own waste. And all the guards could tell us was that we had to wait until they got new instructions. Eventually someone snapped. The guards hit back.
0: Vraska looked down at her hands.
4: I wasn't even fighting. I hadn't dealt with surface dwellers much, but I knew that they were waiting for an excuse. A gorgon is dangerous. We can't help but be dangerous, can we? If I fought or talked back, they would have had every reason to kill me. So I stayed in a corner, with my hands over my eyes. And when it was finished, they dragged me over and beat me anyway. I remember the moment I realized they weren't going to stop and that I was going to die in this stinking basement for no damn reason at all. I couldn't stand that, so I just left.
3: You planeswalk.
4: That's one way of putting it. Another way is saying I woke up in a swamp with half my ribs broken and no idea where I was.
3: According to the information Niv-Mizzet has shared, dramatic experiences are a common trigger for the ignition of a planeswalker's spark.
4: So I understand.
3: Braska stopped walking directly in front of the Sphinx.
4: I suppose I have you to thank, then, for mine. Not the Azorius. You. It was your name on the arrest order.
3: I know. I was Supreme Judge at the time. I remember the riots you describe.
4: Regrettable, I'm sure. That's how the Azorius described them. Regrettable? Yes.
3: Vraska took a step forward.
4: Do you regret it? Signing the order?
3: No. Mistakes were made in the execution, but the principle was sound. The Golgari had grown dangerous and the balance was threatened. The Senate has to act in the best
4: interests of Ravnica. You'd do it again? If necessary. Ah, I thought so. Jace told me that I should act in the best interests of Ravnica. For a while I thought he was right. Aboard my ship, with my own crew, I could believe it. Coming back here, though,
3: And yet, you came to this council. You put Ravnica's interests first.
4: I did. I'm I'm sorry, sorry, Jace.
3: It
0: had all seemed so simple aboard the belligerent.
4: You were wrong about me.
0: Vraska looked up, and her eyes filled with golden light. This time, the delegates arrived in a mass, milling outside the double doors. Raoul watched the Simic representatives talking in a tight huddle as Amara argued with her fellow elves, and Borborygmos, hunched over in the corridor, gave an exasperated grunt. Dovan Bon talked quietly with the two Azorius soldiers outside the door until a steward hurried over, bearing a long, iron key.
3: Oh, apologies. Apparently the door was locked last night
0: for some reason. He turned the key, and the soldiers pushed the doors wide. Raúl took a step forward, then froze. The conference room looked much as it had the previous day. The great window was open, and rain had sprayed across the marble and darkened the pure white curtains. Sitting at the head of the conference circle, where she had been the previous night, was Asperia. She was in the act of rearing up, her back paws flat on the floor, her calm face caught in an expression of frozen surprise. And, from nose to tail, she was nothing but grey stone, like an exquisitely detailed statue. It took Raul a moment to process what he was seeing, and another moment to draw breath before he could speak. The hallway erupted into pandemonium.
2: Assassination!
0: The minotaur bellowed, stepping in front of Aurelia. The Gorgon! Where is she? Ral realized that Vraska was not among the crowd of ambassadors at the time everyone else did, and the babble of voices rose to a higher pitch.
2: It's a trap. She's lured us to the slaughter.
0: Only Dovin Bond seemed to retain his calm. He stepped into the room, staring at the petrified guild leader, And then turned back to the azoria soldiers in the
3: corridor establish a perimeter captain i want this building searched at once extra security here on the double
2: i will coordinate my forces to assist
0: aurelia's wings snapped open as she sprinted across the room and hurled herself out
2: the open window everyone remain calm you are all under our protection we see what your protection is worth i for one am leaving at once
0: The argument among the elves reached a crescendo as the purple robed Simic Magi stalked toward the exit. The others who'd come with Amara turned to follow them, and Amara herself gave Raul a helpless look and shook her head before hurrying to catch up. Raul looked at Dovin desperately.
1: Maybe if we went somewhere to wait. Fishface is right. We should get out of here until we know it's safe. If Vraska has turned on us, there's no telling what else she's got planned. But what about- Sorry,
0: Kaya tapped Teysa on the shoulder, got a nod, and the two of them walked away. With that, a consensus seemed to have been reached. Akara drifted to Ral's side as the other delegates fled, leaving apologies in their wake. Ral stared after them, still stunned, not quite able to believe how quickly things had changed.
1: We were so close.
0: He felt the old anger boiling up inside him.
1: So damn close. And Vraska just...
3: Now what?
0: Borberigmos gave an angry roar before turning to shuffle awkwardly down the corridor. His frog-light translator gave Raoul a bow.
2: The guildmaster instructs me to say that he sacrificed much to be here, at niv behest. Much respect and honor amongst his people. Now he will face challenges for certain.
4: He wishes you to know that you have his animus.
2: What's
0: animus? Akara watched the translator bow again and turn to leave.
1: A polite way of saying he's going to pull my head off the next time he sees me.
0: Raúl turned to find Lazav at his shoulder, wrapped in his flickering cloak of illusion.
1: You're leaving too, I suppose.
2: Only for the moment. The Demir remain at your disposal, should you find a way to proceed. But I would like to take this moment to remind you of my warning.
1: And which warning was that?
2: That I was not the one you should mistrust.
0: Lazav gave a blurred, flickering bow and melted away. That's it? Well, felt like he'd been hollowed out. It's over. He'd thought this time would be different. He'd put his trust in Hakara, in Kaya, in Vraska. Vraska.
1: Why on Ravnica did I think that was going to work out well? And now? He
0: closed his eyes. Behind his eyelids, he could see the maps of the implicit maze he'd compiled for Niv-Mizzet, back before the contest that had produced the Living Guild Pact. The paths led through every guild's territory, the complex network of magic that maintained the basic underpinnings of Ravnica. To change it required consent of every guild, because the magic touched every guild.
1: Unless...
0: He felt something bubbling up at the back of his mind. Plans and blueprints. A machine that would stretch across the Tenth District. A way forward. His eyes opened up. Ral? We're not finished. Ral ran a hand through his hair an electric crackle returning it to its frizzy peak. Not yet. Thank you for listening to this production of Voice of All. As listener-supported entertainment, we rely on you not just for the voices of the characters, but also to keep us going and growing. If you enjoyed it you heard, please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes, or following us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Podcasts, or just plain sharing with your friends. You can also support us financially on Patreon for exclusive perks. The Gathering Storm was written by Django Wexler. The podcast was produced and edited by Gen Dookeshi, with sound editing by Noxshade. This week's story featured the voice talents of Mike Croftian, Nockshade, Penny, Miranda Celine, Spice Hrak, Emily Doms, Sydney Hines III, Maxi Bridgewood, Nilani, Christina Edelman, Ozzy Sneddon, Melissa Sheldon, Joe Loaf, and Rhythm Bastard. Voice of All is unofficial fan content permitted under the Wizard of the Coast fan content policy. Magic the Gathering is copyrighted. Wizards of the Coast. Thanks so much for listening, and y'all have a great day!